Father, thank you for the privilege and the honor to be able to worship tonight with my brothers and sisters. God, just to lock in on you and love on you, receive love from you. God, I pray that you would do what you please in this time as we study your word together, God, that you would prepare our hearts beforehand to be good soil for your word. God, till up the soil of our hearts, God, that your, your word, God, would land in that soil and grow into a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each of us, God, that you would shape and mold us into the men and women of God that you want us to be. Holy Spirit, would you help me to communicate and speak only what you want spoken and nothing else? Lord, have your way. Have your way. Have your will. Do what you please. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So glad to see you guys. So excited to uh, be able to speak tonight. Uh, so here's, here's what we're going to be talking about tonight. If you guess, we're talking about being thirsty, right? That's going to be a theme uh, that we're going to be revolving around. Um, and a specific kind of thirst and the way God wants to minister and satisfy that thirst. So uh, maybe like some of you or someone you know, during the pandemic, I got a little bit out of shape, right? Was that anybody else that like the gyms were closed? And I really appreciate you showing your hand. You didn't have to do that, but I appreciate that. Yeah, that's me. I feel that. I got a little out of shape during the pandemic because the gyms were closed. Well, I, I guess I can work at home, but I'm not, I don't have like the whole, I don't have all that stuff at home. So I'm gonna, it's going to limit it. I mean, I, I could still run, like the outside wasn't closed, but I didn't run as much because it was all, hey, stay at home and quarantine. Like, okay, I'll do that. I'll just sit here. Um, I got out of the habit of working out. I got out of the habit of running. All of it. I'm currently trying to get back into some of those habits. Is anybody you catch your hands on this one? Trying to get back into some of those healthy habits, and it's a little tough to do. Um, specifically, I'm trying to run more, run more for exercise, uh, and running to build up to the first weekend in December is the St. Jude Race Weekend here in Memphis. Uh, you may have heard about this. This is a big run that happens downtown, and they've got all different distances. There's everything from the 5K. 10K and like half a marathon and the whole marathon. And it's all to raise money for the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, the Cancer Research Hospital downtown. And so we've participated in this in the last several years since we've been here in Memphis. And I'm like, man, I need to do St. Jude again. I need to kind of get in shape for that. Now I'm just doing the 5K this time, right? Like I'm just doing the, the 3.1 miles. That's going to be a lot for me. Uh, but there have been previous years where I did the longer distance, where I did the, uh, the, the half marathon and even the full marathon uh, a couple times. And so some of you guys may be runners in here. And some of you guys, like the thought of running, like terrifies you. That's okay. There's going to be something for you too. There's going to be something you can relate to too. So just track with me. When you are training to do a longer race like that, you start small, right? You don't just wake up one day and think, I'm going to run a marathon and then go run 26 miles. Uh, it's not healthy and you're probably not going to finish. You start small. You start, I'm going to run one mile. And then I'll run two, and then I'll run three, and I'll build it up. You add maybe a little bit each time, uh, maybe add a mile every couple weeks, and so you build up to those longer distances. I don't, for me, for me, if I'm running a short distance, right, I'm gonna run for 20, 30 minutes, I'm running two, three miles, uh, I don't like to bring anything with me, right? I don't bring a water bottle, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not running that long, I'll just drink when I get back, right? And then you add a little bit more mileage, a little bit more mileage. By the time you're running like an hour, you're running like six, seven, eight miles. It's good to bring some water with you, right? Because you're going to get thirsty running for that long. Um, you know, so to either, either bring a bottle of water with you or do a, do a route that's going to take you by a water fountain, something like that. Your body needs water when you've been, like, exercising for, like, an hour straight. You guys can understand that. Um, and so it never fails. Every time I would be training uh, and adding mileage, 
that kind of six, seven, eight miles range, I forget to bring a water bottle because I hadn't been bringing one. I said, oh, I forgot to bring one on this trail. Um, hopefully, I left one in the car. Like I brought it, but it's just in the car. I forgot to bring it with me. Or like when I get back to the car, I'm hoping, you know, one of my kids maybe dropped a water bottle and throw it into the seat or something. And it doesn't matter that it's old at that point. I'm so thirsty, I'll drink anything, right? When you're out on this run, in that thirst hitch, you're like, I need to drink something. And you may be out in the middle of nowhere. Like, I like to run trails, right? So I'm literally, there's nothing nearby. Um, there's no water fountain nearby. Like, I'm just getting crazy thirsty. And like, when you're really thirsty, kind of like when you're really hungry, you stop thinking through Right? You start doing some irrational things. And so you start having some irrational thoughts. Like, I would literally do anything to drink something right now. You've run by a stream. It's like kind of dirty. It has bugs in it and stuff. You're like, yeah, I can drink a little bit of that. Probably won't make me that sick. I've got to drink something. I'm crazy thirsty. Has anybody been there in a place where you're just like, oh, I'm crazy, crazy thirsty. I would drink literally anything. It doesn't have to be from exercise, right? It doesn't have to be from, from, from working out. Um, and if you guys have ever been sick, have like a head cold, where like all night your nose is stopped up. So you breathe through your mouth and you wake up and your mouth is so dry. Like crazy dry. Like your tongue is turned into sandpaper and you're like, I need to have a drink of something. And you get that drink of water, and also okay, I'm a human thing, right? I had that drink, I was really, really thirsty. I had that drink, okay, I'm better again, I can function, uh, I can move on with life. I want you guys to kind of get in that headspace of thinking about a time that you were really, really thirsty. Maybe it was working out, maybe it was, I don't know what, you were away from a drink, couldn't, couldn't drink, wanted a drink, couldn't do it. I think that, that headspace of, of knowing what it feels like to be really thirsty, and we've all been there, it's gonna help you uh, to prepare you for what the Lord's wanting to communicate in the passage that we're looking at tonight. It's going to put you in that kind of frame of mind to understand what God is going to be saying here. Uh, we started a series with six weeks ago at this point, five, six weeks ago, called I've Got Something to Say, right? We kicked off a series with Jeremiah chapter one and talking about how God called the prophet Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. He gave him something very specific to say to these people, to call them away from sin, from idolatry, and they were worshiping other gods, they were turning to sin. God had sent Jeremiah to call them away from that and back into relationship with God. So Jeremiah, I've given you a calling and a purpose. So we talked about God's also given you a calling and a purpose. God has a plan for your life, something specific he wants you to do, to accomplish, to say. And we talked about embracing that calling that God uh, knows you intimately. You know, the Psalms tell us that he had every day of your life planned out before a single one of them came to pass, right? Uh, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and that should be an encouragement to you, right? Your life is not just a haphazard accident. There's no accidents in this room. You may have been a surprise to your parents, but you're not an accident, right? God has a plan and purpose for you. So we talked about that. We kicked off the series and talked about how and God will lay messages on our hearts to share with friends, family, classmates, man, words of life, words of encouragement, words that will steer people back towards God. And God may even have something he wants you to say to the people in your life. And then we had, uh, you got to hear from all the different uh, staff members over the last several weeks and some guest speakers share the message they felt God had placed on their heart to speak to this generation. Right? That, that if God's giving me one sermon to say, this is it, right? If God's laid one passage on my heart, or if there's one particular verse of scripture that really resonates with me, I want to preach this. And so you've got to hear from a variety of different speakers the last few weeks. Those of you guys that have been here for that, has that been good? Has that been encouraging? If you missed those, 
that's okay. And all that's going to be available there on the, the Kyle Fub podcast. You can go back and listen to some of those. Be encouraged by those. But even if you miss everyone, you're still going to be able to track along tonight. We're going to continue, though, talking about Jeremiah. Right? We kicked it off talking about Jeremiah chapter 1. Now we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you got Jeremiah chapter 2. Uh, the verses are going to be up there as well. If you're following along on the Bible app with Kyle, all the verses are going to be in there. You can take notes right there in the app. Uh, your neighbor probably wasn't, wouldn't mind if you looked on with them as well. If you had, if you had the Bible, they, they, they don't mind you looking over their shoulder. Uh, so you can follow along with us. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 2. And we're going to start with verse 2. Jeremiah chapter 2, starting in verse 2. And so this is a, a message, a passage that has really, really resonated with me. And this is something that, that I feel like God has, has taught me. Uh, it's been tremendously helpful in my own life, but this is also one of those you may have heard a pastor say, preaching to yourself kind of messages. I'm preaching to myself too, right? I've not mastered this. This is something I'm still learning, but I feel like this is something that if you guys could get down as like 18, 19, 20-year-old and young person starting a relationship with God, and this is a concept that if you can lock in on now, it's going to really, really benefit you in the years to come. Your relationship with God is going to save you a lot of heartache and tripping up and stumbling over temptation and sins and idolatry and struggles. If you can get a hold of this, it could be huge for you. And so this is the message uh, that God speaks through Jeremiah. It's going to be Jeremiah chapter 2, starting in verse 2. It's going to be the second half of verse 2. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were, you being God's people, the nation of Israel, God's uh, the, the, the people that belong to God. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his children. God says, I remember a time when you served me faithfully, right? It was kind of like that honeymoon phase, you know, a bride has got a brand new groom, a groom has got a brand new bride and their eyes are like the heart emojis, right? They're just in love, and they just want to be together, and they're just over the moon for each other. Um, over fall break, uh, we had a, a wedding to a Kalfa couple, two Kalfa alumni that got married, and they're in that honeymoon phase, right? And so Sean and Jorge are, are posting on the Instagram pictures of um, and them at the resort on their honeymoon, like, like they're, in, they're in love, love, right? That honeymoon love. And God says, I remember when y'all were like that with me. Right, the honeymoon phase when you first started following God and everything was good. You were in love with Him and you wanted to obey Him. You wanted to grow to be the person He wanted you to be. But it's like a past tense, right? I remember you were that way. You were that way. But He goes on to say this, verse five. This is what the Lord says: What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshipped worthless idols, only to become worthless themselves. He said, he used to be that way. And he used to be in love with me. He used to be like that honeymoon phase. He used to be just head over heels. And what happened? What happened? And what happened with your ancestors? I mean, your, your parents, your grandparents, the people, generations before you, that they just woke up one day and said, no, we're not going to follow the Lord anymore. We're going to start to dabble in this stuff over here. The, the, the gods of this nation worship look appealing. We're going to build some statues to them as well. And so what did y'all find wrong with me? Right? When did I stop being enough? What did y'all find wrong with me? And he started to turn to all these other things. And, and he's got you know, a key phrase in there that by worshiping these worthless things, you become worthless yourself. By chasing after these things that have no value, no worth, and you become worthless yourself. And there's a key thing we can learn from that is that your identity is tied to what you worship. 
Your identity is tied to what you worship. Whatever you worship, whatever you make the focal point of your life, your identity ends up being tied to that. And the Lord says when we worship worthless things, then we ourselves become worthless and empty. The things that we make the focus of our lives begin to define us and permeate every part of our identity and permeate every part of our self-worth. And if we allow those things, that may be people, relationships, activities, hobbies, whatever it is that fills our time. If we allow those things to have a bigger focus in our life than the Lord does, those things become idols for us. Right? You may not think of yourself as like a worshiper of idols. Um, but when you begin to find joy, purpose, fulfillment, identity, and anything other than God, that thing does become an idol to you. Right? I, I don't think there's probably anyone in here that has like a statue in their dorm room, their apartment, they bow down to and worship, like that kind of idol. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but we do have those things that fill up so much of our time, so much of our brain space, so much of our affections, that they effectively become an idol because they're competing with God's affection, right? Whatever that thing is that it gets so much of your focus and takes up so much of your time, say, so I don't have time to pray today. I don't have time to be in the Bible today. Well, you have time for something, though, right? It's like whatever that thing is that's getting more of your love and focus and attention than God, that thing has effectively become an idol for us. And this is God calling us out, saying that you're worshiping this thing, but this thing is worthless. Just like an idol you carve out of you know, stone or carve out of wood is, is worthless, can't actually help you uh, at all. And anything that you place in God's place in your heart that gets the most of your love and affection, uh, man, that thing can't really satisfy you. That thing can't really give you purpose as a feminine identity. One day that thing's going to let you down. And if you tied your identity to that thing, it's going to make you worthless as well. You guys tracking with me? Yeah. This is tough. This is not a like, woo, kind of message, but you'll see where I'm going with it. There's all kinds of things we can do this way, right? We can make, we can make a career in identity. You may know some people who have. They make, I'm just going to get this job. I'm going to climb my way up the corporate ladder. I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to be the boss. And then I'll be the boss's boss. I'll be the CEO. Uh, and they make their career, whatever this, and it's good to have goals, right? It's good to have, this is something I want to do and achieve. But if you make that your identity, if you make that your everything, right? But my whole identity is tied up in me achieving in the corporate world, or me achieving over here, and what happens the day you get laid off? Because that happens, right? What happens the day they downsize your department, the day you get, get fired, the day when if your identity and who you were was so tied up in what you'd achieved, you're going to be crushed. You're going to be wrecked. And we can also man, have our identity tied up in other people, right? Maybe a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, maybe not even a romantic relationship, just a friendship, that you begin to identify with them so much or tie your identity so much to them that you are who they see you as and, and I mean, who am I if this person doesn't love me, care about me? What about when they're not there for me, though? Right? What about when that person moves away or breaks up with you or they pass away, right? If, if they were our everything, man, that's, that's going to crush us. That's going to leave us empty. That's going to leave us feeling worthless. God doesn't want your identity and your purpose and your focus tied up in anything but Him because everything else is inevitably going to let us down. A way that we can know, kind of run a self-diagnostic, a way we can know that something has become an idol in our life is think, how much of my identity is tied to this thing? Like how much of how I perceive myself is tied to this area of achievement or whatever it may be. Another way to think of it is, what would, what would it mean to me if I lost this? Right? If I lost this one thing, like would I be crushed? Right? Would I be lost without this one thing? Because if that one thing's not God, right, then maybe that thing's like grown to too big of a place 
in our life. Only in Christ is our identity secure. We belong to him. We are his and he is ours forever. And nothing can change that. Right? God loves us. Now, he wants our lives to be focused on him. He's the one thing that's never, ever, ever going to disappoint. Right? He's the one thing that says, hey, I'm a, I'm a firm foundation. I'm the rock you can build your house on. and It's not going to crumble. Or you can follow me and I'm going to give you purpose and meaning and love and peace. And I'm going to make sure uh, you know, things are going to work out according to my will and nothing can change that. Like God, God says he loves you. He wants to be your primary focus, right? And I think it grieves his heart when we end up making these other things our focus instead. He wants to be the one that's our primary focus. And another way to determine if something's grown into an idol in our life is how much of our time... And, and thoughts does that thing dominate, right? Where does our brain wander to? We talk about daydreams. Where does our brain wander to when we're just chilling? We're just sitting there, right? Um, you know, what, what's the thing that's filling up again? So much of our time was, ah, oh, I didn't have time to read the Bible. I didn't have time to pray. Um, and this isn't always like straight up sins, but anything can be a good thing that's taking up so much of your time, you don't have time for God. And so a good thing that's become like a God-sized thing is an idol. And that's not good for us, right? Um, and, and so it's important for us you know, from time to time to, to just kind of inspect our lives and be like, is there any stuff that's kind of allowed to grow too big? And now it's taking God's space. And that's not right. You know, and say, God, I need this thing to diminish so you can take your rightful place as king of my heart. Because only he belongs on that throne. Amen? Amen? The other stuff loves to try to crowd into that throne room and say, what about me? What about me? What about me? And all the way it gets our attention and then it's more of our attention, more of our attention. And all of a sudden got too much of our attention, and that thing's become an idol for us. Jeremiah continues. We'll drop down to verse 13. Jeremiah 2, 13. And this is, man, this is the real focal point verse uh, for the message tonight. God says, for my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So they've abandoned me. I'm the fountain of living water. But they've abandoned me to go dig cracked cisterns for themselves that don't hold any water at all. A cistern is just another word for a well. Right? They've, got, they've gone and dug wells, but they're cracked wells. So they're wells that don't hold any water at all. God paints a vivid picture here of what our idolatry is like with this metaphor of a fountain and then these cracked, empty wells that we end up digging for ourselves instead. You know, this picture here, I want you guys to picture it with me, right? Picture this fountain of living water, the most beautiful, pristine, crisp, clean, satisfying water, whatever you want to imagine here, right? I want you to hold that kind of mental picture in your head, this fountain that's flowing. There's plenty of water. There's plenty of water for everybody. It's flowing. It's clean. It's the best water you could ever drink. I love Memphis water. Amen. I, was, I grew up in Memphis. And I've not traveled everywhere in the world. I'm not a world traveler like Jackson and Britt. Um, I've not had sampled the water of every continent. But I'm partial to Memphis water. It's like straight out of the tap. It's good. It's good, right? Best water in the world. I don't know for sure. But, you know, subjectively, right? Best, best water in the world. Um, but picture, picture this, the fountain flowing with just the cleanest water, the most satisfying water. God's painting a picture here and he says, I'm that fountain. A fountain of living water, and there's an invitation embedded in that invitation. I'm a fountain of living water, and you can come and drink anytime you please. And you can have as much of me as you want, and drink, and drink, and drink, and be satisfied. And I will satisfy. I'll satisfy the deep needs in your heart. 
for love, for peace, for purpose, for meaning. Those deep longings, the things that keep us up at night, the things that ache inside us. God says, come to me. I'm a fountain of living water. And just stick your whole head in. Just drink and drink and drink deeply and let him satisfy everything that's in here. That's the invitation. God says, I've extended that invitation, but here's what y'all do. Y'all say, no, I'm good. Not y'all, but you know, people. But maybe y'all. We say, no, I'm good, and we go and dig our own wells, right? We say, no, I'm good. That, that, yeah, it's delicious, God. Man, what a fountain. I've never seen a fountain like that. But God, God that's okay. I got, I'm going to go dig my own well, though. I bet I could do pretty good on my own. I could go over here and uh, not try to stretch this microphone cable too far. I'll go over here and I'll just kind of dig. I'll dig my own well. No, I'm good. That looks really tasty. I'm going to dig my own well. I'm going to dig. So we dig around in the dirt. We dig around in the mud. Mess around with whatever. Trying to find love and purpose and meaning and satisfaction and something other than God. And we dig around in the dirt, dig around in the mud. We get down in there and we slurp it up our face in the mud. Slurping up that thimbleful teaspoon, muddy, gross water there and say, oh, that's good. It wasn't. Right? It wasn't. That's what we do. That's the picture there that God is paying. God says, I'm right here and I want to satisfy every need and desire you have. But what we end up doing is we turn our back on that and say, no, God, I'm good. I'm going to satisfy my desires over here with this thing, with that thing, with this hobby, with this relationship, and that's with this temptation, this sin. The substance, whatever it might be, I'm going to try to find some meaning, some purpose over here. We turn our back on God, and God says, I'm right here. You can have as much of me as you want. Come and drink deeply from this fountain. The invitation from God is, come to me, the fountain of living water. Drink deeply and allow me to satisfy those deep longings of your soul. So Jesus later calls back uh, to this metaphor, this fountain of living water. We see this picture of the fountain of living water. Uh, it, it continues, uh, it echoes again later in Jeremiah. Uh, and then throughout Scripture, Jesus calls back to it as well in the Gospels. Um, and it's one of the ways that he identifies himself as God. One of the ways he identifies as, hey, I'm the, I'm the Son of God, I'm God uh, in the flesh, is he calls back to this metaphor. He says, hey, you remember that fountain of living water that Jeremiah prophesied about? Jesus says, that's me, right? I'm that fountain of living water. John 7, verse 37 says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up in a loud voice and said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He says, hey, remember Jeremiah talked about that fountain? That's me, y'all. I'm the fountain. Come to me and drink. I want to satisfy the deep needs you have, the deep needs you have for rest, for peace, for love, to make you right with God, forgiveness, grace, mercy, everything you need. It's in Jesus. Jesus says, come to me and drink. So the question is, how do we do that? Right? How do we go to this fountain? Right? How do we go and drink deeply of the fountain of God? How do we connect with Jesus in that way? Man, it starts by just believing on Jesus. Just believing on Jesus as Lord, as Savior, putting your trust in Him, pursuing Him. Jesus says clearly that no one comes to the Father, no one comes to God except through Him. He's our bridge. And the only way to come to the fountain and really have those deep needs of your soul met is through Jesus. It's the only way. 
Jesus says, come to me, and you can drink of that fountain of living water. And believe on Jesus. If you've not come to a place yet in your life where you took, totally put your trust in Jesus to save you, to make you right with God, to have your sins forgiven, trusting in Him, not our own ability to do right, because none of us can do right all the time, but trusting in Jesus and what He did for you on the cross, and to purchase your freedom with His own blood so you can have forgiveness and be made right with God. If you've never put your trust in Jesus, say, God, would you forgive me of all my sins, or give me a fresh start? Make me right with God. And give me a home in heaven when this life is over. I encourage you to do that tonight. That's where it starts. Man, we can't come to the fountain until we come to that gate that is Jesus to be reconnected with God. But he says, but when you start pursuing Jesus, that's how you drink deeply from the fountain. By spending time with him. Spending time in his presence. Derek preached a couple weeks ago about Jesus in John 4 with the Samaritan woman, right? It's a picture of Jesus. Um, and he goes to a well, a literal well. Uh, there's a woman drawing water there. And they have this conversation. I'm just going to look at uh, a couple verses here. Verse 10, Jesus answers the woman. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus says, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for a drink. Because I'm that fountain of living water that Jeremiah talked about. Drop down to verse 13. Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It's Jesus that gives the water that truly satisfies. Everything else is going to leave us thirsty. Now, if you drink of the living water of Jesus, will you physically get thirsty again? Of course. Right? But he's talking about the deeper spiritual needs, the needs of your soul. You're never going to be lost and separated from God again. You're never going to have absolutely no meaning and purpose in this life. Because when you put your trust in Jesus, you're adopted in the family of God. You're a son now. You're a daughter. You're part of the family of God. You're a prince. You're a princess in his kingdom, in his throne room. There's a room with your name on it in his house. There's a seat at his table. And it's yours, right? Like, you have identity. You're never going to be thirsty in that way, right? That, that, that lostness, that separation, that aching for purpose. Now, you drink from me, and that's not forever. Jesus says you can have that, right? That's what he wants for us. Um, we'll get physically thirsty again, right? We're going, to need, we're going to need a drink of water or the Powerade or for Izzy Sprite, I guess. But spiritually, he wants to satisfy those deep longings of our soul. He talks about when you drink from me, the Holy Spirit's going to become that fountain of living water springing up within you. So, man, the good news is when you put your trust in Jesus uh, and for forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, God comes and lives in you and through you by his Holy Spirit. Right? That is your connection to God. God comes and lives with you. He says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'm right here with you. And that's how we drink deeply. Man, spending time with God who's right there with us, right? Closer than anything could ever be. And it's going to look like just spending time in His presence, spending time in prayer, spending time in His Word. Man, I'll do this. Man. So I've been studying this for, for several years, and I'll do this sometimes in my prayer time, in my quiet time. I'll close my eyes, and I'll picture, and it's not corny, I don't care. I'll picture myself walking up to a big fountain. I say, okay, God, I'm here. I want to drink deeply. I'm just going to sit in this spot, and I'm going to drink deeply from you. i got a lot of needs in here, and I'm just going to sit here and drink until I'm full, until I'm satisfied, until I'm done. Stick my whole head in. I don't care. You may climb my whole self in there, right? Give me all the way in there. Jesus, I want all that you have for me. Because I'm a mess without you. I'm nothing without you. I need you. I need you. Spend time with them. Spend time with them. 
So do we come to God through Jesus and drink deeply from Him? Or do we try to find meaning and purpose and identity and fulfillment in empty things that can't really satisfy, like digging our own well that's a cracked well that can't really hold water at all? Like if we're being real with ourselves, do we, do we do the first thing or do we do the second thing? Are we going to God as our ultimate source of satisfaction? Or do we have a lot of other little things that we also turn to for satisfaction, for fulfillment? And meaning. Man, it's okay to have hobbies, right? When that hobby grows so big in your life that it crowds God out of your life, man, it's an idol. It's okay to have friends. Man, it's a blessing to have friends, right? But when hanging with the friends fills up so much of your time, it's like, I don't have time for quite time today or this week or this month, right? That thing's become an idol to you, right? God needs to be first. God needs to be most important. So are we going to Him and saying, God, I, I want to drink deeply of this fountain. I want you to satisfy those needs. Are we digging our own holes in the dirt, chasing after this thing or that thing or this person, trying to find satisfaction in things that can't really satisfy? Right around the corner is my favorite holiday, right? Right after Halloween. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Um, Halloween's great. I love dressing up. Like, any excuse to dress my family up like superheroes, like, that's a good holiday. And the candy. Man, let's not forget the candy. The candy, I got it. I hate this. Maybe it's not old. As I get older, the candy is less of the appeal. But the dressing up is still fun. I love Thanksgiving, though. Right? I love a big, a big old feast. Right? A big old feast. Uh, and being with family and just eating this food. I don't eat the rest of the year. Like, that's good, right? It's the food. It's the food. That's the thing. And also, you know, giving thanks to God and showing our gratitude. I think that's got a good message, too. Um, so I love Thanksgiving. I love eating. I love a good meal. And males love a good meal. Just like, just give me some food. Just give me some food. I'm, in fact, I'm hungry, man. You need to shut up quickly. And I am. I am also. My wife is a good cook as well. Um, Mom's a really good cook. If you've not had Jackie's cooking, man, hopefully you will someday. Some of you guys have. Some of you guys have the Jackie's cookies, brownies. Some of y'all have whole meals. Jackie's a good cook. But imagine this with me. And I, I'm at work on campus. Uh, and it's time for me to go home. Right? I'm driving home. I text her or call her. Not when I'm driving, you know. But, baby, I'm coming home. Be home in a minute. So I'll bet. I got the food's going to be on the table. It's going to be good. And I walk through that door, and the food's on the table. Jackie's there, and my kids are there, and they're like, it's time to eat. And it's like, it's like just the best food. It's, it's something awesome. Uh, the days are getting colder. We're going to say it's this chicken chili that she makes. It's just the bomb. She's got some, uh, some bread there with it. I don't know. Beautiful meal. I, I miss lunch. I'm starving. I walk into the house, and how foolish of me would it be to be like, hey, this looks really good. This looks really tasty. I can tell you work hard on this. Like, this took some effort. This looks amazing. But you know what? I think I'm just going to kind of go out in the backyard and just maybe kind of like dig around in the dirt and see if I can find anything to eat out there. Like maybe a stick to gnaw on or some bugs or something. Like I can tell you worked really hard on this, but that's what I'm going to do. But I'd be foolish, right? God says that's what we do to Him every single day. Right? When we try to find purpose, satisfaction, and other things, when He's like, I'm the fountain of living water. Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to have a Kai Alpha Thanksgiving dinner, a special Kai Alpha Thanksgiving dinner, like the week before actual Thanksgiving break. We actually get to all kind of eat together before you all go home to eat with your families, and that's going to be really fun. But I want you to get yourself in the headspace. We talk about being thirsty. We talk about being hungry. I want you to get on the other side of that headspace to you've just eaten a Thanksgiving meal. Maybe you've had your second course and the plate of desserts already, right? And put yourself in that headspace. How do you feel there? Like you're stuffed. Like, it's time to put on the stretchy pants with the elastic waistband or some stuff. It's time to, like, uh, I just want to, like, lay down on a couch and pass out. I'm so stuck. 
I see these guys all go watch some football, but I don't want to like do anything, and I don't want to eat another bite because I've already had three plates, and, uh, and, and I cannot eat another bite. I am absolutely packed stuff. And, and so it's Thanksgiving Day. This is you, your stuff. Mom, Grandma, somebody calls you in the kitchen and says, Hey, I need your help. And because you love them, right, and you love them, Mom, you're going to say, Okay, Mom, what do you need help with? I'm here to help. You know stuff. I really just want to be on the couch. Says, hey, you know, so we're packing up the, the leftovers, we're cleaning up the, the plates, and I realize I don't have enough Tupperware, I don't have enough Ziploc baggies, I need you to go to the store and get some more Ziploc baggies, some more Tupperware or something. Would you do that for mom? Would you do that for grandma? Because you love them. Yeah, I guess I'll go do that. I really, I'm stuffed, I'll go do that. So you drive to the store, and you're walking down the aisle, right? You're, walk, you're walking down the aisle where they got the, the Ziploc baggies and, and all that kind of Tupperware storage stuff, and you walk. To get to that aisle, you gotta walk down the junk food aisle because that's how they set up the Kroger. I don't know why. I do know why. They want to. They want to sell you that junk food. And you walk by whatever that thing you said was your go-to junk food, the Doritos, the Skittles, whatever it is for you. You walk by that. And any other day of the week, that's going in the car. Like if I'm going to the grocery store, those peanut M&Ms are going in the car. It's just what it is. But that, that's not any day. This is Thanksgiving. You are so stuffed. Just looking at that stuff makes you sick. Like I can't eat another bite. I don't even want to think about that. Right? The thing that would normally be a huge temptation. When you're full, it's not a big temptation, right? When you, are, when you are full, when you are satisfied, the thing that normally trips you up, no, I'm good. I do not need any of that. In fact, even thinking about that makes you sick. That's how God wants you to be on Him. To go to Him, to drink of that fountain of living water, to be so full, so satisfied in Him, that all those stupid little things that used to trip you up, gross. No, I'm good. Forget about it, right? Why am I going to eat? This junk food, cat food, whatever, when I just had like a flame in your arms, some lobster, whatever the delicious thing is that you love to eat. Like, why am I gonna mess around with garbage when I'm stuffed and full and satisfied with the real thing? That's what God wants from you. God loves you. He wants you to be satisfied in Him. He wants you to come and drink deeply from Him. And when I was talking about, if you guys can get a hold of this, it's gonna be a game changer for your faith. And that's the key. It's the key to overcoming sin and temptation is to be so satisfied in God that that stuff has no sway on your affections. Like, gross, why? Why would I mess around with that when I've had the real thing? When I've drunk deeply with God, when I've found purpose and love and meaning and peace and identity in the Father. Man, why am I going to go to that stuff? That's what God wants for you. How do we drink deeply again? It's by taking that time each day to spend in His presence and prayer and His Word and spend some time in worship allowing Him to love on us and fill us with Himself, taking that time to spend with the Lord each and every day at that life-giving fountain. Man, it's going to help you to resist sin, resist temptation. And that thing that trips you up again and again and again, as you drink deeply from the fountain, you're going to see that that has less and less of a pull on you because you're not going to be walking around thirsty and hungry and desperate and falling for every stupid thing the devil puts in your path, right? Because you're going to be so full of God that that stuff has no appeal at all, Right? Those same things that you're going to sin and temptation to satisfy, God wants to satisfy. And I know that sounds weird, but track with me. Because there's always a thing underneath the thing, right? So my temptation, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's sexual sin. Maybe it's messing around with a boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe it's pornography, masturbation, whatever it is. It's that sexual kind of sin that's maybe my big one that trips me up. But what's the thing under the thing, right? The thing under the thing is, as a human being, you were created for love and intimacy. To love and to be loved. Someday, God's got a spouse for you, right? And the sexual side of things is covered. 
But man, even right now, you still have a need for intimacy to love and to be loved. God wants to satisfy that. God wants to satisfy your deep need for love and intimacy and affection. And he wants you to come to him, spend time in his presence, and he wants to love on you so much that you get up and you're like, man, my love meter is just full of overflowing. And those things that normally tripped you up because you were aching inside for some kind of intimacy, some kind of affection, some kind of love from anything or anyone, so you tripped over those things, like when you're so full of God's love, you're going to see they're going to have so much less pull on you. So much less pull. Maybe it's not sexual sin for you. Like maybe, maybe for you, it's your mouth gets you in trouble. I bet, you know, that, that may be something. The things I say get me in trouble. Maybe with gossip. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's stretching the truth a little too much. It's like, why do I do that? Like, we feel foolish. We feel stupid after. But what's the thing under the thing? Right? The thing God wants to satisfy under the thing. But maybe it is gossip, right? Why do I say these things? I, I regret it the second it comes out of my mouth. Because deep down, you're created, right, to be in communication with others, to be in community with others, to share your thoughts and dreams and ideas with someone and have them really care and want to listen, right? And God wants to listen, right? God wants to be there for you to pour out your heart to Him and say, God, this stuff's on my heart, this stuff's on my mind. And He's there 24 7 to listen to you and He loves to listen to you because you're His little boy, you're His little girl, right? And tell me it all, tell me it all. But we don't go to Him, right? And, and so we've got this deficit of just wanting to be heard, and then man, tap that along with insecurity that we're worried that people in our life don't really want to listen to us. So I, I'm going to add a little bit to make it a little more juicy, because then Bryce will want to listen to what I'm saying. I'm worried if I just talk about my day and my own thoughts and feelings, like he's going to get bored with me. So I'm going to make it a little more spicy, a little more juicy, and say some stuff I shouldn't say, right? And then our mouth gets us in trouble. But if I went to the fountain earlier that day, I just talked to the Lord, and I let him satisfy that need I have to hear and to be heard, I'm not going to trip up on those other things. You guys track with me? Yeah. I'm even going to say this. Every sin and temptation that trips us up is that way. And in your quiet time this week, I, mean, I want you to go to God and pray like, what is that thing under, under, the thing, under the thing that I keep going to this temptation to satisfy that God, you actually want to satisfy? And God, help me to spend time in your presence and drink deeply from you until I'm just full so I don't keep tripping over this stuff. Right? So I can just like like the junk food on Thanksgiving Day got gross. I don't I don't want that. Uh, God wants to do that for you. That's what the that metaphor, that imagery of the fountain of living water is all about. God wants to satisfy those things. So do think about the sins, the temptations that you struggle with. What is the need that you're turning to those things to satisfy? And how can you instead satisfy that need in Christ? So the challenge here from God and Jeremiah is to come to God, come to that fountain of living water and drink deeply from him. Jack, would you mind to come to the piano and play softly? God wants us to come and drink deeply from him. This is your own just day-to-day time, your day-to-day schedule. Um, building it into your schedule, that fountain time, right? That time in his presence. Uh, in Calvary, we have a phrase for it. Um, we call it our bento time. B-I-N-T-O. Stands for built-in not tacked on. Time with God every day. Some of you guys have been a Christian a while, and you know what it is to be like, I know I need to spend time with God, but I get busy doing other stuff. I'm like, well, maybe I'll tack it on at the end of the day. If there's time, like right before I go to bed, Lord, I'll lay me down to sleep and then some snores. Um, no, God deserves better than that. Like, build it into your schedule the same way you would a class, an important meeting, right? Build that time into your, into your schedule. Look at your schedule. Figure out where it fits. Build it in and then go to God and say, God, I just want to sit with you, right? I don't have an agenda here. I want to talk to you. 
I want to read your word and let you speak to me. I want to just quiet myself. I just want to sit with my Father. I want to drink deeply from that down. I want you to let you love on me. Satisfy those needs. Make those needs I don't even know I have. Purpose, identity, meaning, love, peace. Satisfy all those things so when I get up from that quiet time and I go on with my day, I'm full. I'm satisfied. And all the stupid nonsense of the world is not going to trip me up because I've had the real thing. And all those sins, all those temptations are just cheap and empty counterfeits for the real satisfaction that God wants to give you. And if you can begin to see it that way, I really feel like it's going to be a game changer for you. God loves you. He wants to spend that time with you, right? He wants to spend time with us. I wonder why we want to spend time with Him. But I bet once you make it a habit and just go on to Him each day, uh, you're going to see the difference that it makes. Amen? Um, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. Right, we can come to the town tonight. We can spend some time with them. Uh, would you guys stand up with me? And just right where you're standing there, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes, shut out the psych auditorium and your buddy next to you, and just the whole world for a second. It's just you. It's just you. You're standing there, and you're in an empty space, and there in front of you is this fountain. It's bubbling up, it's flowing. It's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. This time it's just you and the Lord. These next few moments, it's just you and God. And walk up to that fountain and drink. We're taking just a few minutes here just to respond to the Lord in prayer. You can do it standing there. You can kneel. And you can come down down here up front and pray. These next next few minutes. And just come to God and say, God, I'm sorry for turning to other things. For finding satisfaction and meaning and purpose in other things than you making idols of those things. God, I repent. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. And he loves you. Of course, he forgives you. I encourage you, man, just in these next few moments, just drink deeply from God. Let him love him. Let that love wash over you. How deeply you're loved by him. Love so much that he was not okay. He was not content with you being estranged, separated from him. But he sent his own son to die that you can have your sins forgiven. You can be made right with Him forever. And Jesus rose from the dead and lives forever to demonstrate just how much God loves you. That love wash over you, that peace wash over you. And there's so many areas of our lives that are in upheaval, that make us anxious, make us stressed. And just drink deeply. Let that peace of God wash over you. I'm satisfied that need you have for safety and security and peace in